Well, we just uh, are so grateful to see so many uh, this morning. When we just take a moment, we can wait on the Lord as people are finding their seats. And um, it's most appropriate. We're talking about prayer this morning. So why don't we just, uh, why don't we wait on the Lord and ask him for him to um, speak to us this morning by the power of the Holy Spirit. We are here to be with God. We're not here to just hear a lecture. We're not here to just hear somebody talk. We are here to encounter God through the Word and through His, His Holy Spirit. Oh, God, we need you this morning. Lord, we ask you that you would bring about an atmosphere in this place of worship. We pray, Lord, that you would penetrate the darkness. God, we ask you that this place would be a holy place of exuberant and joyful prayer, praise and thanksgiving to Christ. Lord, we pray that you would set the captive free this morning, the one who's coming in chains, demonic and sinful chains. God, we pray that you would break those chains through prayer and through the preaching of your word, we pray. And we pray this in Jesus' almighty name. Amen. Amen. Why don't you turn with me to Mark chapter 1. I want to speak to you this morning about the priorities of ministry, the priorities of ministry. Mark chapter 1, verse, uh, starting verse 35. Mark chapter 1. Starting in verse 35, we're going to read through uh, verse 39 this morning. And rising very early in the morning, while it was still dark, he departed and went out to a desolate, a desolate place. This is uh, speaking of Jesus here, going to a place of isolation and solitude. And there he prayed. And Simon and those who were with him searched for him, and they found him and said to him, Everyone is looking for you. And he said to them, Let us go on to the next towns, that I may preach there also, for that is why I came out. And he went throughout all Galilee, preaching in their synagogues and casting out demons." We see the priorities of Christ's ministry here in prayer and preaching. These are, these are the foundational priorities of his ministry, the apostolic ministry, as uh, we see later in Acts when the apostles say, we will give ourselves to prayer and to the ministry of the word. If a person is going to be a minister of Jesus Christ, these are the priorities. These are the things that they are to give themselves to regularly and constantly is to the prayer life and to a life of preaching the word. The first thing we noticed here is prayer. Prayer. There is a, a great difference. There's a huge difference, a, a, uh, a, a wide gap between a person who says prayers and a person who prays. It is possible to be a person who says prayers 
and yet not be a praying person. It is possible to offer up prayers uh, in public and even in private and not really truly be a person of prayer. And there is, there is a, a wide gap. There is a wide difference. The person who is religious, a religious person says prayers, uh, is, is good at reciting prayers, is good at giving prayers, is even okay with praying with other people in a church setting. That is a, a religious person. They can pray like that all day long. They might even be able to go to different uh, help groups, uh, uh, possibly a, a different addiction-type counseling groups. And they say, now listen, here's what you need to do. You need to get, you need to get a, a force. You need to get a supreme God or, or someone that you can go to and you can you can pray to, someone that you can lean on and depend on. And so someone picks Christ and someone else says, well, I don't really know who God is, but I, I believe he's some God out there and I kind of rely on him. And every now and then when I get really down or I'm really struggling with something, then I will go ahead and offer up a prayer. A prayer. I'll just say a prayer. And so there are people who know how to bow their heads and they say, dear God, we come to you and blah, 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 and they are able to go on with, with even many words and they are able to say prayers. Listen, even, even agnostics pray in situations where they find themselves stuck. Never forget listening to a preacher and he said he was on an airplane and all of a sudden there was an alert that came across the, uh, the, the loud system, the, the speaker system that said, basically, there's an alert here and it's possible that this plane is going to go down. And the person sitting next to this believer said, oh bleep. That was kind of a prayer. <laughs> but it's not a person of prayer. And you, 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 can, you, can, you, can, you can say these kind of prayers and not be a person of prayer. And what we, what we see in the scripture over and over again is that God is calling us, and God called his own son, Jesus Christ, to an intimate life of prayer. Where a person knows God. And where they talk to God because they know Him. And it's not these huge words that they're using. They just know how to talk to God. As someone who has reverence for the Holy One. As someone who has awe for God. And yet talking to Him as a close friend. And so a person of prayer is someone who has been born of the Holy Spirit. Born of the Holy Spirit. And the corporate prayer, the getting together and praying in a church like this, is only a change of scenery in the life of someone who is given to regular and constant prayer. A person of prayer is someone who has been born of the Spirit who has had their nature changed, who has recognized that they were a sinner in desperate need of grace, and they come to God 
for forgiveness. And in that transaction, there has been a change within a person that has taken place to where they have been transferred out of the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of light. And all of a sudden, now as they have been changed, as their nature has been changed, they have to pray like they need air. I need to pray. Not, not just when I'm in a plane and it's going down. Not, not just when I'm about to get in a, in a car wreck and all of a sudden things are really bad and I go, Oh God, help me! But it's a regular lifestyle of getting alone with God and saying, God, I need you. Lord, I can't go on in this life without talking to you. Lord, I'm going through so much in my life. There are so many problems. There are people problems. There are work problems. There are church problems. There are play problems. There are kid problems. There's my own problems, my own heart. And look at it, it's dark. And a person who's like that says, Oh God, I need to pray. I have to pray. It's not like, well, 7 o'clock Tuesday, I guess I'll interrupt my daily schedule and march off and go say my prayers. Six o'clock, dinner time, time to pray. You know what we all do, kids? We all bow our heads and we fold our hands. We, we close our eyes and we say, thank you for the corn dog. It's much more than that. And if prayer to you is something you have to do, something you've been taught to do, like it's part of this religious thing, or it's something you just do when you're scared, or it's something you just do when you're in major need of help, that's, that's, that's just when you pray, that's, that's when you find yourself, I need God because he's, he's, he's just someone I need to help me through this addiction. Well, praise God, he's someone who helps you through the addiction, but he's much more than that. He's like the air you breathe. He's like the air you breathe. A person who knows God, a person who has been transformed by the power of the Holy Spirit is a praying person. And this is what we need more. We need to recognize that prayer is an admission of the supernatural. See, if I don't really believe that there's a personal God, that Jesus Christ is physically ascended into the heavens, and He's there interceding for me, sent the Holy Spirit to empower me and to infill us and to indwell believers, if I don't really, really believe that, I don't need to pray. Prayer is simply some dry and dead formality. And I would ask you this morning, have you been so changed? That you can't go through life without repentance and belief. When was the last time you got on your knees with tears streaming down your face saying, God, I'm a wreck. I'm sorry. When is the last time you got alone with God? Not to just simply talk about some things and some, some light issues like what you're going to have tonight for dinner. 
When is the last time you got alone with God and said, God, I just want to spend time worshiping you alone? Alone. Listen, those who come in here on Sunday morning who have, who have hands lifted to the, to the ceiling, who are doing it because they love Jesus, they are admitting that they are the most needy people. They are admitting that they desperately need God, that they desperately need the empowerment of the Holy Spirit. And listen, that person who worships here in public like that, I can guarantee you they worship in private like that. If they worship in public like that, with a heart that's lifted up to God, hands that are raised, listen, it's time to get over what people think. It's time to get over, well, I don't feel good this morning. Or I don't know what else of other people around me in this room are going to think about me. Listen, the person who comes in here goes, God, i got to get to church on Sunday morning because I'm so hungry for an infilling of the Holy Spirit. I need to commune with you. And it's simply a change in scenery where they've already been talking to God. They've already been walking with God throughout the week. Saturday night, their heart is beating. i got to get there. Got to get there. I can't skip. Can't skip. Hebrews chapter 10, we've got to meet together. So it's not like it's just me and God out there and, you know, in, in a barn somewhere or just me and God just in my car. The person who, the person who loves God, the person who intimately walks with him, is a person who has a life, a life of prayer. And so they come in on Sunday morning, and it's simply a corporate continuation of what has already been taking place in private. A genuine relationship with God based upon his love and mercy is brought forth by his death, his burial, and his resurrection. And now the same spirit that raised Christ from the dead and the same spirit that empowered him and the same spirit that would drive him into the wilderness to pray is the same spirit that will drive you to pray. And if you are not driven to prayer in your private life, if you are not motivated to pray, if you do not have any desires to get a hold of God, if you have none whatsoever, listen carefully, you are dead in your sins and you need the saving grace of God. And if you have been born again and you've been living life on your own and recently have been struggling, God is saying to you, my grace is sufficient to bring you back into the relationship that I've called you to. I love you. Come back. Come back. 
I love what <clears throat> Charles Spurgeon says. He says this, if you do not pray alone, you do not pray at all. That's powerful. Well, let's just close in prayer. If you, if you do not pray alone, you do not pray at all. I care, he goes on to say, I care not whether you pray in the street or in the church or in the barrack room, that would be a military room for soldiers, or in the cathedral, but your heart must speak with God in secret or you have not prayed. If you don't pray in the secret place, listen, you've never prayed. If your praying is just about church, you don't know what prayer is. You haven't experienced the air of prayer and coming to Christ and prayer. And may this morning, may He wreck us. May He open hearts this morning, hard hearts, who have never seen prayer like this before, and open up hearts to say, God, I need to be soft, and I need to be moved. God, I need. I desperately need to pray. The cares and the issues of life should drive us to the priority of secret prayer. Now let me give you the context of what's going on here with Jesus. Jesus has been ministering throughout the whole Sabbath, as we saw, and into the night. He's tired. He's, he's, he's worn out because you've got to remember Jesus is sinless, but he's, he's fully human. And Saturday night, he's got people problems. Because he's been preaching and he has cast out demons, and the people are astonished at what they're hearing. Wow, we've never heard anyone speak like this. He speaks, he speaks under his own, he speaks under his own authority. Problem? Most of them weren't believing. They, they were just mesmerized. Wow. The scribes don't. The scribes don't preach like this. This is good stuff. We'd even, we'd even pay some money to come here and teach again. And he's casting out demons. Wow. This is, this is a powerful guy, powerful man. Jesus goes to bed that night, and you've got to remember, he doesn't, he doesn't have a home. But he's got people problems. Because they're not listening. This is why he would preach over and over again. They're not being affected by the word. This is why Jesus would say over and over again, for him who has ears to hear, let him hear. And there's people in this room who come Sunday after Sunday, and you hear it in your physical ear, 
You hear the word being spoken, but it's not affecting your heart. So Jesus goes to bed that night. He's going to sleep. And he's got problems that are weighing heavy on his heart. His heart is heavy, and he is weary. And during the night, which would now be Sunday morning, the first day of the week, does that sound familiar? The first day of the week, he rises. He'll rise again in a different way later on in his ministry. And he is called to pray. He's got so much on his mind. He's got so much on his heart. He's thinking about this. He goes to bed thinking about this. He has no home, no place to lay his head. He's sleeping in other people's houses. He's homeless. He gets up while it's still dark. And he's got all of these ministry issues. I've been preaching and I've been casting out demons and yet, yet the people are unaffected, unmoved. And he goes and he begins to pray. And we need to stop there and ask ourselves a question. How often, when our hearts are heavy and weary, they're often over people problems. You ever go to bed with a heavy heart at night over relationship issues or problems with people? You ever have problems with friends or problems with church attendees and members that you go to church with or family members or co-workers? And how often times, how often instead, listen, instead of praying about it, instead of taking the things that are in our lives that we're struggling with regarding people issues, how often times do we say, nah, not going to pray. I can handle this. And we manage to talk about it. We manage to go to other people. We, we manage to over and over and over and over again in our mind process things to where we begin to think wrongly. How many of you have been there? Yeah. And instead of taking it to the Lord in prayer, we carry it. Instead of praying about it, and going to Christ, we simply try to deal with it on our own. How often do we go, I got to call grandma and talk. Got to call my best friend and talk. And listen, the heart is still weary. Do you, do you, know, do you know how many people are trying to get rest in their souls? And they'll say things like, church is just becoming too much. Oh, it's not church that's becoming too much. It's when you lay down in bed, you can't rest because your heart is still troubled. You try to sleep and, and you can't. 
You say, I need a vacation. You go on a vacation. You're still not rested. You come home and you go, I need a vacation from my vacation. You say, what I need is, I need to, I need to just do something that's fun and uh, it will, 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 will give me a, something to focus on rather than what I've been focusing on. Maybe I'll go do this. And so we, we go do this instead of, instead of going to the Lord in prayer. And we still have a weary heart. A weary heart. A tired heart. I'll never forget one of the most powerful sermons I heard on prayer was in a little church with just a handful of people, maybe, maybe 10 or 15 people. And this older preacher was preaching and he said, how often do we simply want to call other people instead of calling upon the Lord? See, this is, this is a true belief in the supernatural. Do we really believe that God is the one who can handle what we're going through. A while ago, I was writing a song, and I jotted this down, because if you have dealt with these kind of things, you are not alone. It simply says this, I am restless, my soul is anxious, filling up my time with emptiness. You know, you can be super busy and be empty. I'm busy. Filling up my time with, with emptiness. It's so true that my soul is ever searching until I've spent time with you. Oh, I regret the wasted moments being transfixed by a seductive lie that soul loneliness can be mended without you. It's so true that my soul is ever searching until I've spent time with, with you. That's what's going on here. You know what oftentimes we need? is not another siesta. We need time alone with God. And you'll feel it and you'll know it in your heart when you need to spend time with God. And oftentimes he calls you in the middle of the night. Psalm chapter 77 says, you hold my eyelids open. You hold my eyelids open. You ever lay awake at night and your eyes are just you ever think that might be God calling you to pray? And I'm going to tell you right now, the enemy of your soul is going to be right there. Don't, don't worry. Just, just turn on the TV. So you go, that's a good idea. I need to rest, just relax, watch a little TV. You watch three shows of TV, you're still tired. Your soul is still empty. Well, maybe I need to find a little something fun to do. Get out and do it soul is still dry and still empty. Our whole perspective on life begins to change, especially with other people, when we pray first. When we pray first. Now notice in your text, Mark chapter 1, 
And rising very early in the morning, that's verse 35, while it was still dark, have you ever woken up at night while it's still dark before the sun comes out? You know, I need to just go take a walk outside with the Lord. Nothing more beautiful. Some of you might need to do that. And maybe the Lord in the very near future will wake you up. So the Lord, who is God Almighty here, he rises while it's still dark. He departed and went out to a desolate place, and there he prayed. And it wasn't a prayer like, now I lay me down to sleep. I'd already been to sleep. It was, Lord, when Jesus, when Jesus prayed, as Elijah prayed, Elijah simply being a foretaste of how Christ would pray, he prayed in his prayers. When he prayed, he prayed. And oftentimes, as we see here, Jesus is praying. He's praying for a long time because by the time his disciples find him, by the time Peter finds him, it's been a while. And oftentimes in praying, we get alone with God and we just simply say, God, I'm, I'm here. I, I know I, I've got a, a full heart, but Lord, I, I don't even really know how to pray right now. And Lord, as I begin to talk, Lord, the, the words, they just sound kind of dry. You just begin to talk to the Lord like that. You just say, Lord, and I, and I need you today. I know I need you, but I don't feel like I need you. But I do need you. And it's amazing how, how prayer is like digging a well for, for fresh water. It's dig, mm, dig, out, dig, out. And the longer we pray... The more we pray, the more we wait on the Lord in prayer, all of a sudden, the refreshing water, the cleansing water of the Holy Spirit comes, and there's a release. But sometimes we're too quick. We come in, we go, well, I know I need to pray. Lord, I, I'm going through a lot, but I, I, okay, well, that didn't work. Okay, amen. I guess back, back to what I was doing. And the Lord is saying, look, what did Jesus do? He didn't go out and pray for three minutes and then just come back and say, well, everything's good. Is that how we even talk to people in a relationship? You know, there's, there's times when we're talking, it's just talking and talking, and it's like drilling, and you finally get to the sweet spot. You get past all the pleasantries and the, hi, how are you doing? And you begin to really talk. And this is, this, is the Lord that we're, this is the Lord that we're talking about. David McIntyre says this, And this one who sought retirement with so much solicitude, this one who sought retirement with so much solicitude was the Son of God. Having no sin to confess, no shortcoming to deplore, no unbelief to subdue, no linger of love to overcome. He had none of that, and he still needed to pray. How much more do we need to pray? Can, can I ask you something this, this morning? When problems come into your life, 
and problems come into your life. And as we're talking about in this text, specifically people problems. Are you prone to pray? Or are you driven away from prayer? Is your reaction, I've got to pray? Is it confess before the Lord your need for prayer and to pray? Or is it to say, nah, that can wait. That can wait. Listen carefully. The longer you wait, the more you say, I don't need to pray, the more you say, I don't need to spend time with the Lord, you are creeping closer and closer to the doorstep of sin. You show me a person who prays in secret, I'll show you a person who loves Jesus. You show me a person who prays in secret, I'll show you a person who loves Jesus. So he goes out to this desolate place there in verse 35. And there he prayed. Verse 36. And Simon and those who were searching for him, possibly you know, Simon and Andrew, might have been other disciples. The, the word for disciples is actually not used here, but it's very very likely. And he found him and said to him, everyone is looking for you. Now listen, here, here's what's going on. <laughs> they, they, come, they, they get up and they're like, where's Jesus? Now they're going to they're gonna find out very quickly that when you can't find Jesus, Jesus is praying. And the word that's used here is, is they're going on a hunt. You can see Peter, I mean, he, he's the one, he's in charge here, right? Okay, Jesus isn't here, mission not accomplished. We need, listen, we need to get a search party out here. And so they, they get this search party out and they're hunting for him and they're, they're, they're looking for him and they're going through the desolate place. I, I don't know how long they looked, where they looked, but they're looking. Can you imagine you're going into the, to the hills somewhere in, in this, this area and you're just, you, you think you have a general idea of, of where the Lord is and you finally, you finally find him and you say, Lord, we've been looking for you. Listen, you're a hit. The people of Capernaum, the reviews are in, and they love you. They think, you're, they think you're great. In fact, they're saying, you need to come back. Listen, that thing with the demon yesterday, unbelievable. This is unreal what you're doing. This is what they're saying. You need to come back because, listen, your, your popularity, it, it's, it's going to peak, but it's getting there, and you need to come back to the town because this is, this is what they're saying. This is exactly what they're imploring Jesus to do. Come back. Come back, but notice what Jesus says, his response. You'd think he'd say, wow, that's great. No, verse 38. And he said to them, let us go on to the next towns, that I may preach there also. For that is why I came out, verse 39. 
And he went throughout all Galilee preaching in their synagogues. Here's the second priority, preaching. Listen. The primary reason that Christ came was not to heal the sick. And it wasn't, the primary reason wasn't to cast out demons. These are needed things. These are things that are amazing and they are from God, but they are not the priority. The priority that we see over and over in Christ's life is prayer. And he tells us here what the second priority here is. The second priority here, he says, is the reason I've came is not to show how glamorous I am and to go back and impress all these people over and over again. We're just going to have a healing crusade night after night after night here in Capernaum. Listen, he says, the reason I've came is to preach. That's why I've came. Yes, I've come to heal. Yes, I've come to cast out demons. Yes, that's all part of the ministry. That is part of the kingdom come. But the reason I've came is because there are people who need to hear the good news. And the good news is the good news of the kingdom that God has broken in and God is ruling and reigning. And there's a time and the time is now to repent of our sins and to believe in the one that he sent. That's why I came, to come to preach. Preaching is the thundering forth of the Word of God. It's through the preaching of God's Word that spiritual ears pop open and are able to receive Christ as the Messiah, as the one who has come to save us from our sins. Preaching. There's nothing like preaching. I remember when I was, when I was a, a kid going to bed at night, I'd have my radio, <laughs> before there's like iPods and that kind of stuff, a radio right next to my ear, going to sleep, listening, to different preachers. The power of preaching. And the reason preaching is powerful is because when the uh, person is preaching, it's the word of God and God is speaking to his people. Listen, I'm all for good worship in singing. I, I, I'm, I'm for concerts and all these kind of things. But listen, we've got a real problem when we begin to focus our attention in church on things solely like singing or solely like events. And these are the things that excite us. Oh, yes, we love to sing. That's all throughout Scripture. We love to sing passionately. But let me ask you a question. Have we come to the place where the reason that we have come Sunday after Sunday is to hear the voice of God as he speaks to us through his word. The priority of preaching. And in a day and age that is mesmerized with all sorts of media and entertainment, 
It's amazing that God would send Jesus 2,000 years ago, before there were phones, way before there were phones, before there were cars, before there were skyscrapers and interstate highways. And he would send his son into little cities and towns with just a few thousand people. The power of the gospel would be spread by the God-man Jesus Christ who would go from towns like Nazareth to Capernaum and beyond. And he would faithfully, in these little towns, in these synagogues, and in fields, he would simply be preaching as the priority, the kingdom of God. And God uses that, and he expanded the ministry of Christ, not only to reach Israel and the Middle East, but through his providence and through his sovereignty, he used Jesus Christ, full of the Holy Spirit, to bring people to, like you and me to God himself to have a relationship with him. And every one of us, whether it has been an individual sitting and talking to us, or whether it was in a service like this, every one of us has been brought to God, listen, through the explicit preaching of the gospel. That's why we're here. And God, long after these doors will close, and long after every church in this area, buildings come and buildings go, but the church of God is being built throughout the ages by the power of the Holy Spirit. That's awesome. That's awesome. May we never forget that this is a supernatural event that we are encountering. The centrality, the priority of prayer, and the priority of preaching. God uses people, and his desire is to use you as you simply speak the truth of the word. Now, lastly, and I close with this. He goes out and he is, in the end of our text, he is he's casting out demons. The only thing that obliterates false lies, false doctrine that comes from Satan himself, the only thing that closes the mouth and cuts short the forked tongue of the serpent is prayer and the preaching of God's word. And as the church prays, Satan's kingdom is driven back. As the word of God is preached, lies, as Paul said, every argument, listen, every argument, cut down. Because the truth of Christ prevails. And he's here right now. He's here right now. The truth of Christ prevails. Let's say that together. The truth of Christ prevails. Oh, that's beautiful. Let's say it again. The truth of Christ prevails. It prevails.
we win. Amen? Amen. Why don't you stand with me and we're going to close in a word of prayer. Father, we come to you in Christ Jesus' name. The prevailing one.